From the Bob Varley Studio in Orlando, Florida, you're listening to The Diz Unplugged. Welcome to the Diz Unplugged Roundtable Discussion for March 10th, 2010 from Orlando, Florida. I'm your host, Pete Werner. Joined at the table this week by our team of Disney experts, John Magi, Teresa Eccles, Corey Martin, Julie Martin, and Kathy Whirling. In the peanut gallery, uh, Walter Eccles and Max the Intern, both with their computers. Yay. Max, your hair looks really nice today. It does. He's got to get to a microphone. There's a comment about my hair. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it does. It's just totally so opposite. Nice. I don't think I I've ever thinking. seen him move that fast in my life. <laughs> Those are great extensions. <laughs> to, go with your, to go with your girl jeans. I like the length that it is right now. Do you flat iron it? Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Do you really? Do you yeah. actually put your hair into an yeah. ironing board? Yeah. No, he's got a the tool. You he's know? got a he's scaring me. A tool he uses. Okay. <laughs> okay. Max's hair is longer than mine. <laughs> girl hair, girl jeans. Pretty. Um, all right. In this week's show, the team will discuss this year's International Flower and Garden Festival at Epcot. Kathy Whirling has a report from us for us from this year's Princess Marathon at Walt Disney World, and Diz Unplugged senior correspondent Dave Parfit has an exclusive interview. With Disney legend Richard Sherman. All that plus this week's news and roundtable rapid fire on this edition of the Diz Unplugged. Welcome to the show, everyone. Um, I've got about 43 things in housekeeping that uh, I want to talk about. I'm going to try and get through them. All right, I'm going to get some coffee. As quickly as possible. Anybody want anything while I leave the room? (laughs) Uh, First, last week I uh, let everybody know that we were going to be doing something a little different on the show once a month called Stump the Roundtable, where... Our uh, listeners get to send in questions for us to ask of the table. If you are successful at stumping the round table, you get a $25 Disney gift card. Um, if you have a question you want to, or if you want, if you think you have something that can stump the round table, you send that to Pete at wdwinfo.com. I'm the only one who reads that account. So it's. Uh, How was your response to the past week? Oh, very interesting. <laughs> You, let me just put it to you this way. You guys are so screwed. <laughs> oh, you know no. what? I still think it should be if we if they stump us, we give them 25. If we stump them or we answer the question, they should give us something. Yeah, okay. I want money from our listeners. Okay. Well, it's funny you mentioned that. Corey, do you have an announcement to make on this radio? Are giving us money. <laughs> we mentioned last week that um, we were not shutting down Diz Radio. We've decided to... Um, ask for donations to keep it running. Uh, the cost of it is crazy, so we're hoping really that is. everybody can donate uh, nineteen ninety five for the year to um, offset the cost. There's no way it's going to offset it one hundred percent, but every little bit helps. And uh, yeah, and it's you know it's not like uh, uh, something's going to be taken away from you if you don't donate. Uh, it's just you know if you're a fan of Diz Radio and you like it, help us out. Tell us how that works again. Why does it cost more when there's more listeners? There is, uh, with anybody playing music like that, uh, you have to pay royalties. You have to pay royalties to ASCAP and BMI. Those are the two major agencies that distribute uh, royalty profits to singers, songwriters, uh, musicians. Uh, So that has to be be paid. Plus, uh, Live 365 is not free for us. 
uh, for a station like ours, we are a pro station, and uh, for a station like ours, we have to pay for that. The more listeners we have, uh, the more expensive uh, it becomes, and uh, our listenership has gotten pretty crazy. And it's a great thing. It's a great problem right. to have. But it's just gotten to the point where financially it doesn't make sense for us to, you know, keep, I, I, you know, we don't, you know, Corey, Corey has uh, is, is been pretty adamant about not wanting to put advertising on uh, Diz Radio, that it's, you know, we, uh, we like it advertising free, uh, which if we were a not a pro station, Live 365 would be putting ads into that Constantly. content. Oh, they and put the yeah, they put oh, the ads. You don't okay. know what it's about. And uh, you know, we didn't want that, so that's why we chose this. Um, people really seem to like it, so uh, we're not saying that this, you know, is, is necessarily make or break. But if something, if we can't figure out something to make the station just a little bit more palatable in terms of cost, because there's a lot of other things we could do. Uh, with that money that makes more sense for the site uh, and the business for that matter. So um, that's where, that's, that, that's why. I think we should have a pledge drive like PBS. Mm-hmm. Well, put on I, think I, just, I, I think we just we answer the phones. Our tuxes and our ball gowns. Oh, wow. so, That'd be cool. All right. Um, another thing for, that I have for housekeeping, um, the survey that we have been taking has ended. We're not uh, taking any more uh, survey results. I want to thank everyone that has responded to the survey it was fantastic gave us some absolutely great information so many wonderful suggestions so much constructive criticism i'm so happy uh with the response that we got so i want to thank everybody who did take the survey people are asking if we're going to uh share some of those some of that feedback from the survey uh yeah probably pieces pieces (laughs) the things i want to share um but yeah we will uh, another thing I want to mention is uh, Teresa's daughter, Grace, along with her friend Tiffany, uh, did a video, put together a video called 15 Things to Do at Walt Disney World. They released part one on, on uh, Tiffany's Facebook page uh, a few days ago. And, you know, uh, keeping in mind that these are 16-year-old girls, 15. 15-year-old girls. Uh, Teresa's like, don't add that extra year really? just yet. <laughs> it's... It was awesome. I have to tell you, it's incredible. It mm-hmm. really is. It's funny. It's uh, it, I, I I laughed. I cried. I loved it better than cats. Um, <laughs> it took her forever to get it up on her page too. Yeah. Well, maybe I we'll post a link her. on the official Diz page so everybody can see it where they don't have to friend her. Yeah, right. yeah. Tiffany's uh, real picky about what she puts up. I guess and well, she's you worried know, about it. I I'll tell you, the young lady has an awful lot of talent. With editing, um, I love the music she put mm-hmm. in. Some of the stuff, some of the stuff that she was doing, I don't know how to do, and I've been editing for years. It's pretty. Funny. I think that just means I'm stupid, probably. Um, <laughs> do but, they teach that in school nowadays? Um, not. I'm I sure there's no a class. Idea. She does. She's not taking a class okay. on that. But didn't just, she? Didn't she go to like a, a special she did. seminar? She went to um, uh, UCF and did a a morning oh, some yeah. computer. Oh, that's, yeah, thing. it's really cool, and I'm. Just uh, it's it's great. It's a great video. I love the random things they're picking and some she, of the stuff that yeah. She made you think about going to Disney. But you know, for me, I'm watching it and I'm I'm watching these two people, these two girls, have fun at Disney World. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it just it came across so well in this video that it was just fun and 
you know, spur of the moment stuff. They figured it out as they were doing it. Yeah. And I, I just yeah, some of the really <laughs> weird way to see part two. I haven't seen it yet, but I saw the the uncut. You saw, version, the, you saw the rushes. You saw, saw the rushes yeah, for part two. Okay. And if somebody holds a door open for you at Disney, say thank you. Did oh you my gosh, she stood there forever. She stood there forever. Oh, it's not just Always Disney. Say thank yeah, you. that's anywhere. I like her Ferris. She, she was wearing her Ferris shirt. Mm-hmm. No, yes, she, yeah, was. she was. Oh, that's so. so Shane, that's Ferris so funny. Is with me. Shane Grizzard wore his to Hollywood Studios, and he said they had a cast member call him Ferris like eight times. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll have a link. Uh, we'll have a link to that uh, Tiffany's video. We'll have, well, actually, we'll have a link to the Diz uh, right. Facebook page on the show notes page podcast I also want to let everyone know that we are re- releasing two additional audio files along with this week's show. One is a dining review of the Harbor Galley restaurant at Disneyland that was done by Nancy Johnson, Tony Spatel, and Mary Jo Mulatto Willie, um, our Disneyland correspondents. And uh, the other is Tony Spatel's review of the Walt Disney Museum and the mm-hmm. Family Museum in San Francisco. And both will be included in this week's iTunes feed. And also available for direct download from the show notes page. And uh, that's what I have. Anybody else have any any housekeeping? I have a prize, so that's quick. And um, it's our February email winner, Marilee Leach, who was very excited, as most of them are. 15 was her number. Number 15. You have won... A Segway tour for two. You and a guest will take Yay. a tour around Epcot's World Showcase on your very own Segways. All participants must be 16 years of age or older, and anyone under 18 does need the permission of a parent or guardian. The approximate value of this prize is $200. Courtesy of Dreams Unlimited Travel, thanks for listening, and congratulations. Yay! Fun prize. Cool. Cool. Congratulations. Anything else for housekeeping? I do. I just wanted to thank everybody that sent um, kind thoughts and prayers when my best friend passed away last week. That was It really meant a lot to me that people would take the time to, to send me a personal email. So thank you, everybody. Very nice. Very nice. A lot of nice people out there. They sure oh, are. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's amazing to watch how the, uh, how the community uh, rallies around someone. Mm-hmm. When that happens, we certainly saw it with Bob when Bob passed. So, all right, anything else for housekeeping? Going once, going twice, and now here's John Magi with the news. Oh, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I need, back. I need professional news music. <laughs> you want news music? Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like the music they played for the Fun Spot commercials. <laughs> you see that kid going around the track all by himself? Our first news story, I kind of like it now. Our first news story, Disney Hotels embarking on one of the largest... Let's figure out how to make it stop. <laughs> it's going to be through the entire there show now. There we go. <laughs> that, was that was good. Cur- that was courtesy of our friend Keith Copeland, who's a news anchor up in... Uh, Syracuse, and that was from his old TV station that went out of business. Oh, thanks, Keith. So Keith sent that through to us. We have the best production facilities, (laughs) (laughs) don't we? 
we have the best listeners. We have very talented listeners. Very cool. Our first news story. Disney Hotel is embarking on one of the largest information technology updates in history. Disneyland in California and the Walt Disney World Resort in Florida are replacing their current property management systems with a new program called Lilo. Disney Vacation Club properties are transitioning to a new system called Wishes. The most significant improvement is that these systems will talk to each other for the first time ever, linking Hmm. (laughs) linking previously separate data and allowing cast members to provide more personalized service. The new system will be, enha- will be an enhancement to the new online check-in systems as well as the mobile room-ready notifications, which gives guests the opportunity to learn via text message or voicemail when their room is ready. Nice. One of the most significant enhancements will be that multiple reservations will be linked automatically so that guests will receive only one confirmation from multiple bookings. And the big news for DVC members is that they will soon be able to make DVC reservations online. Wow. Hmm. That'll, be, that'll be very popular. Mm-hmm. That'll be very, very popular. Now, have you read the post on the boards from the person whose reservation got screwed up? No. They, I'm assuming it's because of this new system. They made an advanced dining reservation, and they accidentally misspelled her name. Oh, that lady. Oh, okay. Yeah. And now every reservation in her system has her name misspelled oh no so it sort of cascaded the bad information so when she calls up for stuff they can't find it they don't know oh, what she's no. talking about but when you said it was called wishes is that like they wish it'll is, work yeah pretty much i mean it sounds like it's a good it's a good thing in concept mm-hmm. in theory mm-hmm. well you know look with any new system uh there are going to be some bugs anything that disney does to upgrade their Technology in this area in particular is a welcome change. I will gladly deal with some uh, issues and problems if it means that down the road, you know, it's going to be something better than what they have now. Because pretty much right now, they're using, I think they're using an abacus and <laughs> a slide rule. Mm-hmm. They have a big whiteboard in the room. Yeah. Okay. So Pete's no, coming in tomorrow. <laughs> in defense of Disney, not that. I think they need my defense. When I worked IT, I had firsthand experience of their booking systems and their property management systems. They have a lot of what they call legacy systems. Yeah. Somebody built a little piece for this resort, and someone else built a little piece, and now they're trying to make all those things talk to each other without losing all that back data. Yeah. It's a hard thing to it's do. It's a very difficult thing it's to a do. Huge, it's a monumental task, so let's hope they get it right. Our next story is... ABC returns to Cablevision during Oscars telecast. Oh, boy, that was a move and a half. Mm -hmm. After a day of political pressure from Washington to Albany that urged Disney and Cablevision to resolve their fee dispute, WABC 7 returned its signal Sunday night just in time for the first Oscar award. I think it was 20 minutes late, wasn't it? At 8.43 p.m. Oh, so 13 minutes late. Mm. That's all right. You missed 13 minutes of the most boring show I've ever watched in my life. And I'm, you know, and I'm gay, so like the, the, the Oscars like the Super Bowl for me. <laughs> That's why I DVR and I threw everything else. And I was like, oh, you, I, you just, somebody shoot me. So they missed Neil Patrick Harris, basically. Yeah, they missed Neil Patrick Harris in the opening model. Neil Patrick Harris struggling through that song. Yeah. Oh, did. I did not watch that. And Ooh. I like him so much. So do I. That was, I yeah. love him to death. It worked but... on the Tonys. Now it's yeah. just. Yeah. And now the other thing, too, is they decided to take out the, um, the performances of the original songs 
But then did you see that like interpretive dance thing in the middle <laughs> oh, for God. 90 Oh, minutes? I fast-forwarded through that. I did, that. too. Oh, yeah. my gosh. It was painful. It was bad so. and fast-forward, so. <laughs> All right. Continuing our story. ABC said it had reached an agreement in principle ending an impasse that threatened to black out the Oscars telecast for 3.1 million Cablevision subscribers. On March 7th, Walt Disney World, Walt Disney Company's WABC-TV cut its broadcast signal to Cablevision Systems Corp. in a fee dispute, leaving 3 million homes in, New, in the New York area without cable TV access, ABC programming. And hundreds of thousands of queens throwing themselves off fire escapes because they weren't going to be able to watch the Oscars. The blackout affected cable television, cable television customers in Long Island, Westchester, Westchester, Brooklyn, and the Bronx, as well as parts of Connecticut and New Jersey. WABC urged viewers to capture the free signal with a digital antenna or switch to an alternate pay TV service. <laughs> the two sides disagree over how much cable television should pay to carry this, the station on its cable system. Negotiations and talks continue on both sides. Wow. This is also the, the, the reason for this whole dispute is that this local cable company, this cable television company is charging their subscribers a fee for basic cable right and wabc is saying well that's not fair because you get well basic. disney abc yeah. disney abc is saying that's not fair because you don't pay us yeah we're not signal. getting a piece of that right so that's what this dispute is over is what should they kick back up to disney yeah i can't you know i can't fault disney for that i really can't i can't fault any of these you know especially right now with advertising advertising is really taking a hit and these guys are trying to figure out, you know, how they're going to make money to, you know, do their thing. So, yeah. I'm all right with that. Business they, is they, business, they, right? may, they may continue. Really? <laughs> and our last story, um, it's a little bit graphic. So if there are um, sensitive years out there, you might want to fast forward or, or skip ahead to something else. Disney employee arrested on child porn charges. A man who works for Walt Disney World as a supervisor in Disney Engineering Services was arrested Friday afternoon, March 5th, and charged with possession of child porn. Patrick McKenzie, 62, was arrested by the Orlando Regional Operations Center and charged with eight counts of possession of materials depicting the sexual performance of children. Uh, McKenzie knew little about what was going on. He didn't know investigators were on to him. They showed up at his St. Cloud home with a search warrant in hand. The investigation began after agents received information that child pornography had been downloaded through the Internet at McKenzie's residence. Uh, McKenzie has been booked into the Osceola County Jail and placed on administrative leave, according to a spokesperson with the Walt Disney Company. I think it's important to point out that he's not being accused of actually having done anything to any guests. Um, but, well, thank but, God he wasn't in a position where he would come in contact yeah, with. Yeah, yeah. That's uh let me also there's another sentence in here that I, I didn't include. Um the FDLE said charges stem from what McKenzie said was doing what was doing at home and not what he was doing at work. Yeah. So they specifically wanted to mention that. Um this is a case of, you know, we all think we're okay on our computers. People are watching you. Mm-hmm. So Well they're watching for stuff like that at yeah. least. Oh absolutely. You know. So and you know what? Good. They should be. Yeah. They absolutely should be. Uh, I've got, you know, I know there's some people out there that feel it's, uh, you an know, invasion of privacy. An invasion of privacy. Not when it's kids. Sorry. No. Sorry. That's it. Just go that. No. 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 Well, I mean, I think there should also be 
this, the same rules that apply if you're breaking the law anywhere. If you're breaking the law, or you're suspected of breaking the law. Well, I think I think there are I think there are there have to be limits on on what can be tracked through your computer uh, to a point. I think those limits are all but eliminated when it comes to this particular topic. That anything law enforcement can do, with of course within the confines of the Constitution, but anything law enforcement can do to protect the public, especially in particular children, I think they have a responsibility and a right to do that. So uh, glad they glad they got them. Glad they got them. Let's hope they get all of them. What's that show? How to Catch a Predator? No, To Catch a Predator. To Catch a Predator. It's not a how-to. how-to. Do it yourself at home. Put out cookies and lemonade. Predators love lemonade. That was the biggest problem is he was online buying Mike's Hard Lemonade. But see, the thing is, Corey would try to catch his own predator. He would. Well, I mean, the weird thing is that... Get my friends to jump out of the bushes when he walks out the house. And tackle them. Yeah. <laughs> well, you have to be aware of what's going on in your neighborhood, too, though. Yes. You know, you can go and I heard this see guy what's from, in your area. He was from St. Cloud. I was, like, driving around. Yeah. <laughs> He's trying to figure out where he was. I don't know who he is. John's neck of the woods. I just... I don't know. I always check to see on the, you know... Yep. You want to know how websites. close they are. I want to know what's, mm. you know what's going on, how close they are. Even though it might have been something they've done years ago, whatever. I just want to be aware, you know. Yep, absolutely. It's all public knowledge. It is, yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much for the news, John. We're going to move on to rapid fire. And who would like to go first? I will. I just thought of one in my head just a moment ago. Is that rapid enough? Just Uh, came to you. Just came to me. This should be good. (laughs) Wow. It is good. Um, It is good. It's all good. I just wanted to tell everybody that the birthday segment is no more. Um... Which is fine. You try things. They don't work out. And, and, and the podcast community lets out a collective cheer. Gosh, <laughs> yeah. I had my fans. But I am going to announce it on the board several You had your detractors, too. Trust me. I know. Oh, I know. <laughs> I know. It's both. But if you don't try new things, you never know. That's right. That's right. So, anyway, it'll be on the boards. With that said, I want to say happy birthday to Donna LaFevre. Oh, it's, it was just past Donna's birthday mm-hmm. just passed. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I, know, I know it's hard to keep track of because her age is so high that you can't really <laughs> yeah, count that like, high. Yeah, she's like 134 she's now, really right? <laughs> Donna's the other partner in Dreams Unlimited Travel. We want to say happy birthday to Donna. Happy birthday, Donna. Yeah, happy birthday. Well, i got to tell you, she looks amazing. She does. She That's does. the only reason why I'm, Buster's Did y'all see that so class pic, class it's really, picture? Yeah, she she looked good. Oh it's really, gosh. yeah. Other people look like 30 years older than her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she looks amazing. God almighty. She should bottle that and sell it. So, all right, well. Thank you for that. John, thank you for Teresa. Corey, what do you have? Um, Disney, they removed some of the blackout dates for the Easter holiday for a few of their discounts. They have the, uh, the package, the free gift card offer, and the, the room only save up to 45%. So they removed those blackout dates so you can use these discounts um, over the Easter holidays. Unheard of. I know. Mm-hmm. Absolutely unheard of. And that's why you know we're hearing a lot of questions from people about are there going to be discounts or uh, free dining uh, this uh, this fall, and you know again I don't have any uh, any crystal ball on this one, but if they're if they're dumping rooms During over Easter, Easter, yeah, 
then yeah. And I think if you're going to see that, you're probably going to see it. If you're, gonna look, if you're looking for free dining, uh, I think what about March 27th? When does the current promotion end? March 27th. You March need to book 27th. by. Mm-hmm. Need to book by March 27th. If they're going to put it out, they're going to put it out then. These discounts are for travel through August. Right. And there's a visa through the, through the end of August or the middle of August because that's an important distinction. August 14th, yeah. middle of August, exactly. And then what you're going to see come March 27th, 28th time frame, my guess is you're going to see the free dining come through for uh, probably the last two weeks of, of August into into September. I don't think you're going to see it extend too far into October because October is a pretty popular month, but uh, we'll see. There's a visa offer that came out yesterday, too, that runs through August that children get free dining, but not the parents. That's a Disney visa offer? Mm Mm-hmm. So is that a... That's an indication of what's... There's a couple of pin codes out there for... Mm -hmm. Free dining, yeah. Yeah, They're they're softening the ground. It's like Denny's. Kids eat free on a certain day. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All right. Thank you for that, Corey. Uh, Julie. Universal Orlando's Grad Bash 2010 is going to be coming up soon. It's going to be April 23rd, 24th, um, and the 30th. Those are all three separate dates. It doesn't last through those dates. Um, Limited space is available. You don't want to miss out. Um, You can contact gradbash at universalorlando.com, or you can call 1-800-UTE-15. Youth. Sorry. (laughs) My cousin Vinny reference. Youth. Youth. (laughs) 1-800-UTE-15. They are going to have live performances by Flo Rida, Sean Kingston, and DJ Kaled. I'm not sure if I'm saying that correctly. I'm not familiar. They'll have dance parties and live DJs, street performers, including street breaks. They are break dancers. And a My Coke Rewards live karaoke. Coke is the big sponsor. As well as a few other things going on. Isn't that also known as American Idol? <laughs> My Coke Rewards uh, karaoke. Yes, it, it could be these year. days. Oh, it is this year. <laughs> oh. But at Universal, um, Islands of Adventure, there's going to be, of course, the Incredible Hulk Coaster, Amazing, Amazing Adventures of Spider-Man, Doctor Doom's Fearfall, Jurassic Park River Adventure, Dudley Do-Right's Ripsaw Falls, and the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. And then over at Universal Studios, you can ride Hollywood's Rip Ride Rocket, The Simpsons Ride, Revenge of the Mummy, Shrek 4D, Men in Black, as well as other Attractions. Uh, you know, Julie, I find it very interesting with those dates uh, in April that Univer- and Universal is is saying Wizarding World of Harry Potter in the same breath with April twenty third. It was twenty third, twenty fourth, thirtieth. So, hmm. uh, you know, we know that officially it will be open May twenty eighth because that's when packages are being sold. But uh, I think uh, either that or somebody somebody slipped up. I hope they're not making a promise they can't keep to these kids. Well, you know, it's. I'm going to say I love Universal. I've always said I've loved Universal, but uh, it's not always a well-oiled machine when it comes to this stuff. So I'm hoping that somebody didn't just make a mistake. I don't want to start any panic and people going, "Oh, it's going to be open on the 23rd." I don't. We don't know that for a fact, but this is, this is a very from their site. Though. We have been hearing rumors. We have been hearing rumors that soft openings could happen. Uh, as early as uh, late March. And uh, um, I'm, I'm stunned. Um, that's, a, that's, that's very, very, very interesting information. I'm sure we'll end up hearing from somebody at Universal in short order when the show goes up. 
Uh, if, well, if, I if will provide wrong. the link. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you for that, Julie. Walter, what do you have? There's a new venue at Downtown Disney. <clears throat> Don't sound so excited about it. <laughs> There's a new venue at Downtown Disney. Downtown Disney at Walt Disney World will be taking some cues from its sister location, Disneyland, to add something for the boys. It's going to be called Ride Makers with a Z at the end. It will allow guests to cust- to build customized radio-controlled vehicles. Guests can choose their, right. bi- their car's body, wheels, rims, and sound effects. The store has grown in popularity at Disneyland, and the companion store will be open March 25th. Uh, this is planned to be a temporary location and will be open through the fall. Brilliant, brilliant idea. They need something for the boys. I wonder where they're going to mm-hmm. put it. Over at Pleasure Island, you think? Because there's tons oh, of... Oh, no, the talk is that it's going to go into uh, Virgin. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. so it'll be huge. Well, Whoa. it's going to take up the down floor mm-hmm. of Virgin, which implies that other stuff is going to go upstairs. The princess dresses. Ferris, <laughs> Ferris and I were there on Sunday, and that building, it's just a its a huge waste of space. It really is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, empty it's sad. Tom Bell did a a blog about ride makers at and Tom D- Bell is our Disneyland correspondent, one of them, our newest one. He did a blog about it uh, about the one at Disneyland. Had its photos and a whole description of it. So check it out if you kind of want to get an idea of what to expect. I wonder what does he mention how much these run in his blog? Because that's something you got to consider too. Is that now you have something more? Expensive. It's something uh, I got to tell you something. It, uh, just hearing about it, I'm interested in checking it out. Mm-hmm. Well, they were supposed to. I know I read in one of the things, but I thought since it's on that first floor, they're supposed to have actual yes. full size customized cool. cars, like by Chip Foose and some of the other people that customize cars, so that you could see like the big version and then you could do Great. your little version. Wow. Cool. I'm also under the impression, too, that they're going to have tracks so you can run your cars on the track. It looks like Build a Bear with cars. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. So Brilliant the prices idea. vary depending on what you choose, the I wheels like a you type. Pink choose. bow. <laughs> Sounds fun, Look, though. It looks yeah. really cool. I want to be able to customize a monorail. <laughs> It'll be popular. It'll be very popular. I mean, I'm surprised that, you know, that even appeals to me. But, I, you know, just hearing about it, it really does. It appeals to me. And so I'm not a car person. Matt's going to make a little car. <laughs> be cool. <laughs> Only car you'll ever have. <laughs> oh, nice. That was so bad. <laughs> yeah. You know what? He's going to Europe. Just and you're say. Not. <laughs> <laughs> She's bitter. You have you you have about six or seven weeks that you can like rub that into her face, Max. I'm going no, to Europe. You have and the you're rest not. of your life. Really. Yeah. <laughs> right after really. you get back, I went to Europe. Well, I stopped there. Yeah. All right, thank you, Walter. Kathy, what do you have? Uh, Tinkerbell's Treasure Shop is now closed for refurbishment. It closed on March 1st, but it's the little shop as you walk through the castle and you like hang a left to the left of the carousel. You used to be able to go in there and like wake up Tinkerbell, and they had clothing and things in there. They're Closing it, they're um, redoing it. It's going to be a photo location for the Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique that's there in the castle. Um, they've moved the dresses to other locations. Um, it used to be for the boutique, you had to go down Main Street to then get your picture taken, and they're finding that having the photo location right next to the boutique is going to make it. So the, you know they can sell more shops. photos. 
The shop's yeah. going away. So the shop's yeah, going away. I love that little shop. But they sell the same stuff they sell in the Emporium. Right. Yeah, really. It's just. But it's it's makes it. It's they talk about the moving location. the merchandise. Like you need to follow it because yeah. you're not, not going to find. It I guess else. it's just the location and the whole. You know. The only thing I haven't heard the is the waking up Tinkerbell thing because that was a big deal for people. Yeah. yeah. And I haven't heard if they're going to put that somewhere else or leave. Well, just it for people at. who don't know, why don't you explain what that is? The waking up Tinkerbell thing. You can just. There's a little area. I've never actually done it, but you can go in and there's a little area the cast member helps you wake up Tinkerbell. It's usually the first person to make their way to that area of the park. To ring a little bell. Right. Okay. Yeah. You help wake up Tinkerbell for the day and start it's the You beat her over the head with a stick. <laughs> Get out of bed. Get to work. <laughs> Throw cold water on her. I hope they keep it, though, because that's one of those things that people look forward to doing. Yeah. Right. It's a little it's hidden. Disney special. Gem. They should move thing. it over to where her little land is. Or, you know, the fairy, the fairy experience. Fairy land. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not so special when you see those 45-year-old men running down Main Street to wake up Tinkerbell. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little creepy. Did it take you a long time to get there, John? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Something I'm proud to say I've never done. That was a good one, Teresa. All right. Thank you, everybody. That'll do it for Rapid Fire this week. Oh, John didn't go. That's okay. I'm sorry. Every week. This is the second week <laughs> yeah. in a row. You know, what is with me? I'm so Something sorry, John. You, John. <laughs> I'm so <Okay>. sorry. <laughs> Teresa made fun of me for waking Tinkerbell, and now this. <laughs> I'll get over it. Will the indignations ever end? Uh, for those of you looking to celebrate St. Patrick's Day at Walt Disney World, you can go to Raglan Road Irish, Irish Pub in downtown Disney, and they'll be celebrating St. Patrick's Day with food, beer, dancing, and music. Creel. An Orlando-based Irish band and Elevation, the quote-unquote best U2 tribute band, will be performing. Huh? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Fulton Crab House. U2 isn't even a good U2 tribute band anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that boot song or whatever like that is about. Fulton Crab House and Wolfgang Puck Cafe in downtown Disney will be offering some Irish food specials on their menus all day long. Green pizza. Ew. Yeah, wouldn't it be gross? So if you're going to Walt Disney World just to celebrate St. Patrick's Day, those are some choices for you. All right. Well, thank you, John. Thank you, everybody. That will do it. That will do it for Rapid Fire this week. We're going to move on to our first segment. We're going to discuss this year's International Flower and Garden Festival at Epcot. And uh, did everybody have a chance to uh, check it out? Mm -hmm. Yes. 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 And uh, We went twice. We did, too. Oh, I went twice. I was going to say, I didn't go twice. <laughs> I did. <laughs> so uh, let's start out with overall impressions. Did we like it? I thought it was great. I thought it was wonderful. I thought one of the best years ever. That's what I, I agree. I absolutely I agree. I disagree. I, really? Yeah. Why do you? I'd give, it, I'd give it a C. Get out. If you, if you compare it to years gone past, I thought it was pretty lean. Really? But, yeah. Wow. There's so many things that... We're missing. Like what? The you know the sculptures that they used to have in the trees, and they had sculpt sculptures in like on the walkway behind interventions on your way over to like the Imagination Pavilion. They always had a bunch of stuff in With there. With that horrible ride you love so much. Yes, yes. See, that's the problem is you're the only one who goes over there. <laughs> <laughs> and they used to have like um, fountains in the one. Um, yeah, like I know. Pond. 
that they near had. the Rose Garden, right? And the hillside up by Soren, they used to always do something up there. That wasn't there. Oh, I saw that. If you if well, you there's, there's some flowers there, but they used to do like um, little race cars, or uh, they used to have the lawnmower display. Trust see, me, I, yeah. I'm okay with that stuff being missing with what they replaced it with. Mm-hmm. Every well, pavilion had a themed topiary this year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought it was fantastic. I thought I thought that was good, yes. but like I said, if you compared it to years, like if you've never gone. You then know. I would give it an A. If you've gone in years past, I think you would come out disappointed. Oh, I also think they did, I, I'm sorry. What I also think they did great this year was they did a lot of ancillary planting. So there were fields of yellow flowers and fields purple of purple and, flowers. I thought it was great. But go ahead. Sorry. I thought this um, garden show was good last year. There was just too many repeats from last year. Because at the end, Pete and I are walking by, and I'm like, we're going to run up on, and I was naming off all the stuff we we're going to see again. Um, really? Yeah, we know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did know. He There's was, a lot of repeats. Either that or he's psychic. Um, <laughs> because he was saying, he's like, oh, there's going to be this up here. And sure enough, there it was. See, I should have gone with you, Walter, because we could have. They reuse they, a lot of the topiaries. Well, they can, just kind of mix match them and put them in different areas. They put them in different yeah. areas. Yeah. And some of them are beautiful, and I do like seeing them again, but I would like to see something different. There's so I much like, work. Yeah. I mean, you can't just throw them away. Right. But see, what I think they did, at least to me, is they put the emphasis on the topiaries because that's something they could reuse from years to years instead of having flower beds with stuff in it. Like it's they also left that early too. I mm-hmm. mean, it's also early. The rose garden was sad because yeah. it was early. Right. Always is. Right. Always is in the beginning. I enjoyed it in May. Some of the plantings they had that uh, when you walked when you first got to uh, World Showcase, then Mickey and Minnie went in front of the garden mm-hmm. there. That was and cool. that was kind of sad because it wasn't grown yet. I have to say, I thought that the uh, the, the fair- banana plants. <laughs> No, they were pitiful. Yeah, they were pitiful. <laughs> I have to say that I thought the fairy garden was brilliantly done. Oh, that was I nice. thought yeah. it was incredibly was really well, done. well done. I like the fairy garden and the little play area for the kids. I think that that area, they need to spread out some of that stuff because mm-hmm. it's so, it is claustrophobic. so congested it and crowded. Is very. It was my first time on an ACV because I'm too pregnant to walk around. It, Walt Disney World, I would have gone into labor more than likely. Um, so I really felt it. You know, Corey's trying to push Ferris, and I'm trying to stay right behind him because I don't want to run over anybody else. I'm going to run over somebody. I want to run over Corey. And if you were to stop, you, you cause a congestion. No, it's such a bottleneck. Right mm-hmm. It is. It was bad. And you it want to stop and look at the Because those are three of the big, you know, the little kids' playground, the right. Princess Tiana's Bayou, the, the butterfly, butterfly House. Well, okay, let's. Okay. Hold on. Are we going to talk about that? Yeah. Oh, yes. Okay, because. <laughs> How bogus was that? Now, the Princess Tiana's Bayou. Oh um, you want to talk about an afterthought. Yeah. Absolutely mm-hmm. did not belong in there at all. First of all, what that has to do with the fairy garden, I have no idea. It was clearly nothing more than a big advertisement for the Blu-ray being released. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And instead of, you know, okay, I could have dealt with all that, but no topiaries. Cardboard, Cardboard cutouts. cutouts. Yeah. And as I wrote in my review, it belonged out in the parking lot, not out... In, um, amidst all the artistry that you see around, especially in that particular section, I think the most artistry you will find at this year's Flower and Garden Festival is in that fairy garden. And the men and women who worked to create that uh, really should be given high praise. And then to put that that ridiculously pointless Princess Tiana's Bayou with the cardboard cutouts in the middle of that is it, to me I was offended for the other artists I was taking photos and I walked through there and I'm like uh, I don't even know what to shoot around yeah. here yeah. you can get the bottles <laughs> in the tree I guess I don't know this it is- actually looked better in the in the pictures when I got home 
it looked better in the pictures than it did when I was there in person. They should have it, taken the time to make the topiaries. Absolutely. You know Please you're on. doing this. You know when you're going to release your DVD and Blu-ray. It's Do that alligator. You probably have one left over from a time. <laughs> <laughs> right. Just exactly. reuse that alligator. <laughs> this is the problem I have, though, with many of the things that Disney does, is there's this dichotomy. You walk around, and there are incredible topiaries. They did that scene in Germany with Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Oh, yeah. Absolutely stunning. Amazing. And then you go, and you see this Princess Tiana thing. Or you go to uh, uh, France, where they do the topiaries that are supposed to be perfume, perfume bottles. Again. Where everybody stands around and goes, what? What the heck is that supposed to be? Or you go to Japan, where they put out the half-dead bonsai trees. Well, they're not half-dead, but they're the they same. are dead. Oh, no, see, that part. I like I that. Love I, love the bonsai. I also I love their bonsai. bonsai. They used to do and I love the job. Zodiac um, display that's China? around. Okay. Yeah, one China. at a time, one at a time, one at a time. Let's I'm not talk over hand. each other. John, go ahead. I, that's my worst thing in the world for really? the Epcot Festival. What? Was that Zodiac thing in China. <gasps> where they try to do one, one a statue for every sign of the Chinese zodiac, which is like the year of the bear and the year of the cat. The rat, whatever. I brought pictures. I thought it was one of my best things. I loved it. It looks like they've made these out of old gum they found under the seats at theaters. I think they made it out of popcorn. Uh, okay, now you've got like two it. least creative ones now. <laughs> oh, there you go. See, Ferris, we were like, oh, Ferris is an ox. Ferris is an ox. That's what I did. of him with mm-hmm. the ox. I think these I thought are they did awful. a great job. I love I, yeah, It's I, artistic, little, for sure. The little crazed monkey. Pete, you didn't like it? By no, artistic, I, you mean ugly? Hold on. <laughs> Hold on, God, everybody gets Creative. so hyper. It's a flowering garden festival. <laughs> Take a Valium. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens when you make us all go. <laughs> I, I, I really, uh, I did. I really liked, I thought what they did in China of all of World Showcase. I thought China uh, had the best representation. Um, Mexico, Norway... With the exception of the troll, Norway had the troll out front, but really, there was really nothing, nothing. in Mexico. We saw it was nothing. Before. Norway used to have the one roof that was all covered in flowers, yes. right? And now there was like a few token flowers up on. Right. When you don't, right. I really when felt that missing, if you absolutely. want to look, if you want to look for where it was, you know, where, you know, if you want to look at the festival for areas that were quote unquote phoned in, uh, there were definitely some pavilions that it just didn't make sense that you had this massive display in China and then the bromeliads. Mm-hmm. In Mexico, yeah, okay, bromeliads. I mean, n- <laughs> what? There's, you know, there's, it's, like I said, there's definitely with most things Disney does. There's this dichotomy of great, great things and not so great things. I just didn't happen to like this. I mean, this looks like it's made of old pistachio shells. Well, it's actually well, I think uh, it a is. lot of them. Are, well, no, a lot of them are made of uh, un- uncooked, uncooked corn. Right. Um, and in my review, uh, how did I how did I put it? Um, uh, where is it? Pull this out, Max. Pull the uh, pause. The pause out. <coughs> Did you pull it out, Corey? No, it's there. Uh, it's under the brief. Scroll down. Excuse me. 
I'm not seeing it. I pulled it out. <laughs> You're not seeing your review? No, I'm seeing my review. I'm just not seeing the line about uh, them using the uncooked corn at Nine Dragons. No, I didn't pull any of that. I just pulled where you listed the um, events because that was already on the page. Oh, okay. Here it is. Never mind. It's up at the top. I, did, I thought it was later on. All right. Three, two, one. Uh, in the review that I wrote of this, uh, I comment that uh, there are even tigers made out of corn. This can be found in China where I'm quite certain the uncooked corn will make its way onto a dinner plate at Nine Dragons. <laughs> it is the only culinary crime yet to be committed by the place. But, you know, that, that's just taking a, that, that was just to take a shot at, at, right. at Nine Dragons. But you liked the, the dragon, right? The, the one that's made the bromeliad. Bromeliad. Uh-huh, Yeah, I love the dragon. Uh, but again, like, like I said, there's these, there's these big gaps. You go back by the, the uh, festival center, which was closed. I went Monday. And then they've got these big plastic flowers. Oh, I saw those. And you think... Why would you even bother? You have such beautiful mm-hmm. things, and such, I mean, you've got that. There's that stitch topiary in front of Mission Space. It was cute. I thought it was really cute. Those dolphins breaching the mm-hmm. water. Yep, that was those good. were great. Really yes. clever stuff. Why do those secondary things? Is my opinion. Well, less maintenance. Filler. Filler. But I also, you know, like okay. Well, I mean, overall though, overall okay. though, I thought. Uh, really and truly, I thought this was one of the best years. That was my that was my I impression. It. I loved the dancing topiaries when you're leaving France, going over the big bridge. Oh my god, those were beautiful. Wonderful. Sleeping Beauty and yeah. Philip and Prince Charming and Cinderella. Yeah. Well, those were nice. those are the only ones of people that didn't freak me out because the faceless Aladdin with the weird bird nest hair, he's a creepy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> were you were you surprised walking around? I found myself being surprised. Like you went to Italy and it was like, oh, there's Lady in the Tramp. Yeah. That was there yeah. last year though, wasn't it? Yeah, that was, they yeah. Were there Lady in the Tramp, the perfume bottle. I feel like Aladdin. there was more color. I think there was the a topiaries. lot more color this year. The one by Canada with Bambi oh, and Thumper. Oh, so beautiful. I, that was the one I said we're coming yeah. up on. I don't yeah. remember Bambi seeing Aurora, though, last year. No, I don't either. Princess Aurora? I don't, I don't remember. Right, right over the bridge uh, yeah. by France when you're yeah. getting into the UK. They had uh, Cinderella on, one side on your right and Princess Aurora on your left. Yeah. It's, you know, and it, it's, uh, what, did, what did everybody, th- when you went to the Butterfly Garden. Oh, God. Um, were all the butterflies up on the screens? We just tried to make it through. Yeah, they <laughs> Sunday, were, though. We went Sunday, and there was massive amounts of dead ones on the ground. No. Yeah, in the flowers. Because I kept thinking, where there? You know how we went what, Wednesday when we went with you, Pete? So it was a dead butterfly garden. It was. There was a few, but we saw Stella kept saying, there's one sleeping. I'm like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> yes, honey, it's sleeping. I went on its side. <laughs> went the first morning, and they had them, like, I have the picture up in the blog, that it looks like they were in a... Like a netted right. tent thing. They had that, but yeah. I missed again in there unless they put them in. I was there opening day that they used to have like the little stands with the sponge on them. Mm-hmm. That uh-huh. the, the nectar. Yeah, that they don't have that this year. I'm either. thinking maybe is it too cold? I was for just going to say. I wonder if the, ni- yeah. the weather at night has been yep. plummeting. Yeah. Oh, that could be. Yeah, maybe yeah. it'll be better when it's because it was a graveyard Sunday afternoon. And how about the display where what's the you know when they're before they're a butterfly? Yeah. Was that up? Because that was up. Yeah, I was up when I went. That was okay. up Sunday. Because it wasn't Christmas. the first day. Yeah, the first day it wasn't yeah. there. The I little house, like a little chicken mm-hmm. coop thing. Yeah. yeah. It was yeah. There. So overall, I mean, I, I, I have to say, I, you know, I really enjoyed it. It's, you know, it's one of the things that really makes Epcot special when they do these oh, yeah. types yeah. of festivals. Uh, wa- just walking around, even though we, were, we, we kept a pretty heavy pace uh, the day yeah. we went. No, but it was because of Pete. Pete was out there walking Holy like a crap. maniac. 
only thing that saved me was I know there's a smoking area coming. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I'll catch up there. It's the race to the smoking area, huh? Well, Smoke it's, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, I've, I've, I, I don't know what got into me because normally I'm yelling at Walter, slow down, I can't keep up. And every time I would stop, I'm like, where the heck are they? And they were like 20 paces oh, behind boy. me. He, Walter was with you. I'm thinking, okay, I, my legs cannot move faster unless I break into a run, which I don't do. So, <laughs> okay. I went I went on Monday by myself. Kevin's not feeling good, so he couldn't do it. And I literally did the entire... Oh, we forgot to even mention... Oh, yeah. my God. The Kevin's not here. He's not... He's, his back is bothering him. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, well. Do you really uh, think you know. our listeners just thought he was quiet? <laughs> <laughs> you know, was long? He had a sex change. He had a sex change and turned it to Teresa. <laughs> Um, so, yeah. I mean, he couldn't go. And I said, all right, well, I'm going to do this by myself. I think I did the entire park in an hour and 15 minutes. Right. Oh, my. Just wow. because, you know, you motor through everything. Yeah, you you're by it. yourself. We went back Sunday with the, the family and took a slower pace. And the ferry area, we stayed there longer than any of the rest. Yeah. And now the only thing, and I mentioned this in my review, too, that really bothered me was the number of kids we saw. Stomping around in flower beds yeah. with their idiot parents. Looking at them. Like, looking at them and yeah. paying no attention. Um, keep your kids out of the damn flower beds. They have okay? three play areas for children. Mm-hmm. Exactly. All for children under the age of five, correct? No, there's one for older kids. Because there were. Near yeah. the Rose Garden. Okay. And yeah, by the Rose Garden, there was that really great one where the. Uh, it's like from six to uh, 12. Fantasia. Fantasia. Oh, okay. areas, right, right. But no, I, I I didn't see that. Kids were actually in the flower bed. In oh, the I flower saw bed them. stomping around. Stomping them. I saw a, a family run over with and their stroller. It, it, it's, that's when, you know, as I said in the review, it's when you want to just go slap the parents. What, one was a race bed. The kids had to climb up into that one. That's, yeah. That's wrong. And it's, yeah. you know, but honestly, looking at the parents. I'm not going to say what I was going to say. Oh, goodness. Because I'm liable to offend somebody listening. I also found that there was a lot more um, merchandise locations. Did anybody get some soap? No. 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 Oh, it was wonderful, wonderful soap that this lady makes and really? other It's like products. 99% natural. You know yes. what? She might have been there just that, that day. Or no, she was no, not always there. there. Where's she at? Um, with, it's right when you walk to, into the World Showcase, like near the... To the right, yeah. Okay. Over by Canada. Yeah, you know where yeah. all the, that well, row of shops are? Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. right there. Oh, I didn't see okay. What kind of soap is it? It's all, all natural ham. Like, she so had tomato basil, that Ooh. mud soap that you got. I got Kitchen a lilac soap. one. Um, nectar. It's made from, like, beeswax She's there for honey. the whole time. Okay, yeah. cool. I think, like, three bars for 20 bucks or one for well, that's, seven. That's a good price. And some of them for are that. for body and face. She has stuff specifically for face. It was just, it was really nice. Grace right, and I so, tried on know, hats. I'm, it was cool. I'm not a flower dude, but I love the... Flower and Garden Festival at Epcot. Dude. I think Epcot looks incredible. Yeah. Yep, it, absolutely. It just, it just uh, as you know, as the weeks go by, it's just more colorful. Well, you know, it's it's it, for me, it's the sort of thing. I, I think the landscaping work in general that is done at Disney is is and always has been world class. When they do Flower and Garden Festival, though, it you really see that these guys aren't just good at landscaping. Guys and men and women, not just good at landscaping. They are really and truly artists. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't do this from a, a, a piece of paper showing you, you know, an outline or or, or, or instruction manual. This is artistry of, of the first order, in my opinion. And I think uh, it's great that Disney showcases it like this. So, this is a sort of thing you won't find 
in other theme parks. And no. these are the sorts of things that really make Disney stand out. Uh, when they do Food and Wine Festival, when they do stuff like this, it's also why it upsets me, as I mentioned in my review. Was it like the fourth time I'm plugging my own review here? Um, <laughs> as I mentioned in the review, I expected to find the uh, pay, uh, charge more, do less business model on full display here, the way we saw it at the Food and Wine Festival last year, where they eliminated so many of the extras that made the Food and Wine Festival so special. And I was really happy to see that that was not necessarily the case. Although, Kathy, obviously you spotted some things mm-hmm. that uh, you, didn't, you didn't like. Um, let's, Corey, you got... I just want to say that um, we went there the first day and we, uh, we mapped all of the locations and they're all on e-ticket along with a description and a photo. So everybody who has and e-ticket... What's e-ticket? <laughs> I don't know. Well, we have to make sure people who are listening that don't know. Go we ahead, only mentioned Pete. e-ticket once. E-ticket is the official iPhone app of the Diz, and uh, it has uh, some great features in it, which not, not the least of which now is uh, uh, the all the locations, as Corey just mentioned, for Flower and Garden Festival. We'll be doing this for all the events, Food and Wine Festival. We'll have those the menus up there, so you have them on your phone. Same thing with uh, Mickey's Not So Scary, Mickey's Very Merry. All the, all the Disney events, we'll have, have them on the iPhone now. And uh, there's actually going to be an update coming to eTicket soon, I uh, don't know exactly when. It should be within the next few weeks that we'll have some really cool new features added to the app. I'm not going to say what it is, mm. but there's some cool stuff. We'll have a link to that on the show notes page as well. One more thing about Flower and Garden. How about that topiary when you first walk in? I'm really impressed with the way, for that particular topiary, they were able to capture humor yeah. and movement. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of them are just stagnant topiaries, mm-hmm. and you go and you see how beautiful they are. That one really seemed to be put together the best. With Goofy with the fishing pole and how it's snagging the, the great, outdoors, yeah. great outdoors. Well, it's, again, it just speaks so highly of the artistry that goes into it. And uh, to go to Epcot, and I don't care whether, as, as Corey said, whether you're a flower person or not, you can't help but appreciate that, mm-hmm. really and truly, unless there's something wrong with you. But the Disney blog this morning has a 42-second video of how they created that front flower bed, you know, like bringing in the trees and how they – because I'm always fascinated with how they create the things, and that's what this video shows you. It's cool. They have pine trees in there. Mm-hmm. I know. Mm-hmm. You don't see pine trees at Disney World. So let's just go around, give it a grade, A to F. C. C from Kathy. A. But I have something to add. Oh, hold on. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Um Flower and Garden really is more special to me now because last year at this time was Ferris's first trip ever to the world was to Epcot for the, the beginning of Flower and Garden. Corey had to cover it. It was a beautiful day. We were wearing shorts last year. This yeah. year we were wearing mm-hmm. jeans. <laughs> right. Jeans but, and jackets. Um, yeah. To just see how much he has grown. We took photos of him. We tried to go to the same spot in England. Um, we didn't make it, it was this past the... trip because they were doing the band, the Beatle band. Oh, yeah. So when we go back again, probably with both babies, <laughs> we'll get that shot. But um, One baby, one toddler. He has a, a great time, and I think Epcot's his favorite park. <laughs> Aw. Cool. Corey, what's your grade? A minus, B plus. Wow. He sure. gets two grades. <laughs> really? Yeah. I like that teacher. I'm going to give him an A because of the kid, the way they, what they did for the children. When not only Stella, but I saw other small children in the ferry area, they could... It's the things, the details they were looking at were things that we didn't know. 
oh, that's the hot air balloon that Tink made for whatever, mm-hmm. and here's the boat. And she had the she knew the storyline that was going with the whole fairy area. And it wasn't just her. All the other little girls were doing the same thing. Mm. You know, oh, there's fun, and she did this, and wow. it was really good. That and the play areas. It was good. It was a good, you know, bringing more little kids into Epcot. And, Great. So, John? I say A as well, and I think our lively discussion – Shows you how well we all liked it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, Agreed. I think if it was boring and we didn't like it, it would have been like, eh. Walter, C. Okay, all right, Walter. <laughs> there was just way too many repeats. I mean, I, I'm the flower guy. I should be wild. There was just too many things that I'd seen before. I mean, like I said, this was a great flower and garden last year, but I saw it all last year. I'm so this year, the bitter jaded queen. Really, really, flower queen. Um, I, I give it an A minus, and the only reason I'm giving it an A minus is because of that they, they, they overlook some of the pavilions in World Showcase where mm-hmm. I thought they could have done more. Um, I'm okay with the repeats because there was a lot of new stuff as well, and uh, you know I, I but that's where the only place I really take points off is uh is is for the uh the fact that like like I said Mexico and Norway were pretty much forgotten. The only reason I I would say defend Mexico is because of all that construction with the walls up and everything. It's like where were they going to put anything even, anyway? Even more reason hide that wall, do something <laughs> Yeah, no, really. Hang stuff Absolutely. off. Absolutely. Put some ivy on it. <laughs> oh, we have uh, we have information on this year's International Flower and Garden Festival on the site. You will find uh, links to our photo gallery and uh video from the uh, from the uh, Flower and Garden Festival, we'll have that uh, we'll have that linked from our show notes page podcast So thanks everybody for your report on that. We're going to move on. And Kathy Whirling was at the Princess Marathon at Walt Disney World. Now this is the second one they've done, correct? Correct. And uh, how was it this year? Cold. <laughs> yeah, from the pictures, it looks like it. Yeah, it started off, it was 42 degrees, and I'm sure if you're a runner, that's great. But when you're a spectator standing there, you know, it was a little cold. But I got there. I mean, to me, it's just when you go to these marathons and you see these people running and you see, you know, all shapes and sizes and things like that, I always come away with feeling like I can do it. You know, it's just just to be there, to, to feel the excitement of all the people and I got there at like five something, so a lot of the runners had already gone through and gone out to the um, start line. They had 13,000 people ran in the half marathon. Wow. Mm-hmm. They had a total of 18,000 people that did the children's run and the um, 5K on Saturday. So they had 13 for the race, so they had to do it in like waves. So wow. I, I walked out to where the start line was, so I got like my exercise for the day because it really, you know, it's. It's down on that road, and they were. It was. It was funny, you know. It was in the dark. It was six o'clock. They're, um, you know, getting the crowd all warmed up. Uh, they were playing um, for the first group. They were doing Cotton Eye Joe to get them all like psyched. To they were doing what Cotton Eye Joe? You know, sing it, Kathy. You know, the words just sort of left my mind. But um, hum it. I'm sure you've all heard Cotton Eye Joe. But I don't yeah. know what you're talking no, about. No, I really haven't. Come on, I'll sing for you. you know where did you come from? Where did you go? Where did you come from? Cotton Eye Joe. There you go. Yeah, that's it. Oh, that's going to be a soundbite. Oh, that's going to be a soundbite. And that's supposed to get you worked up for a run? Yeah, that was getting, like, it, it was just amazing watching all the people, like, a, just a sea of people 
like dancing to Cotton Eye Joe. And I mean, the crowd went back. I think they did like maybe three or four segments. Nobody was doing. (laughs) (laughs) No, but it's, you know, they, they did the Star Spangled Banner. And I says, when you're out there, the feeling of camaraderie, even among the spectators, that, you know, it was like this experience that you had to be there. So they, when the runners went off... Um, Where's the start? Where does it start from? It's hard to... You know where the parking lot is in Epcot? Mm-hmm. The furthest one over. Like, you walked through the trees, and then you hung a right like you were leaving Epcot out onto that main road. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you went down... I think it was like... I tried to do it in my car. It was like a half a mile down the road is where they put up you know the start line and again to me watching them how fast like when it was done how fast they took everything down like you would never have known that they had done this but Hmm. they were on the right hand side like heading towards magic kingdom that's where the runners were and the spectators were on the other side but so they you know said what they needed to say and every group that went off they got fireworks so I had never seen them do that, but every group I'm like, oh, well, that's really nice. The first group gets it, but what's going to happen for the you know the rest of the groups? And I stayed for three more, and they all got fireworks. It was like their own start. But just to see the mass of people that were going through there, um, you know, it's just amazing. And on the course, um, they always try to make sure that they have like entertainment. They've got like bands. You could hear that on the other side, like over by the. Um, where the buses come in, they had a band over there, and they've got diff- the characters. All the characters are out. Some of the ones that you don't see in the parks a lot of times, they were out along the way. Of course, they had you know uh, volunteers out along the way. Disney also hired what they called screaming fans that just do nothing but stand there and scream as the runners come by. I was going to say screaming queens. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we hire. But then <laughs> for our shows, <laughs> then we got up. I went over to the finish line, and they had you know like bleachers set up for, so everybody could do it. And they had um, Mickey and Minnie come out in like their prince and princess outfits, and they walked up to the crowds and stuff. And when the um, the they had three wheelchair athletes compete first, and I didn't know. Um, Dave Parfit found this out that um, they don't get any kind of an award for doing this they just come out and do this they they don't get a medal they don't get like any any anything really they they didn't get the the they they got the same medal everybody else got for competing right i hope the blue ribbon and the i didn't see them put put it on the three wheelchair athletes so i can't say for a fact that's weird yeah that seems odd because i took the picture of the wheelchair athlete crossing, crossing the finish line, line. Yeah. and Dave Parfit went to Disney and asked who this person was and they went oh we don't have anybody we we didn't have wheelchair athletes so Disney doesn't even like acknowledge them but That's I got wrong some, yeah I mean why is that though? Yeah, I mean, because they're not actually running. I mean, that seems really. I don't know. I mean, they they did the whole thirteen mile. Yeah. Anybody like who shows did. up, anybody Thank who shows you. up to do it, should be recognized. Mm-hmm. It seems harder than running. Yeah, yeah. in my opinion. I mean, and they were yeah. everywhere. He's in your arms in the parks the time. that next that day. You can mm-hmm. see the ribbons. Oh yeah, at yeah. Disney on Sunday, everybody oh, had yeah. the medal on. Why is it the Princess Marathon? Is it? It's not all women, right? It pretty much was. They said that out of the 13,000, there was only 400 men. <laughs> really? Well, and were they dressed like princesses? 
Not the no, men. They were dressed like that figure. <laughs> well, actually, Somewhere. there was, as we were walking over to, um, like, where the athletes all went in, there was a gentleman who ran by in a princess gown, and we sort of... <laughs> It was funny because we all, you know, it's like five something in the morning and you're not sure if you're awake or not, but everybody just sort of like looked and then looked at everybody like, did I just see what I thought I saw? But there was a gentleman who, who ran. So there was 400 men who ran. I'm not being facetious. I thought this was a woman's only race. No. Okay. No. Maybe they just were encouraging women by doing. Well, it's also right. the, the whole purpose of it is is women's health. I right. mean, that's right. the, what they're, right. that's kind of what the promotion is, which I think is wonderful. But I couldn't imagine Disney. Yeah. Uh, they didn't uh, turn them away. I just yeah. right. That's what I thought. But the, the lady who is she's from the Diz Board who won the um, hand crank division. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't we know found that. we found that out too when. Dave contacted her. She, she saw the. I forget exactly how that story went, but I sent her the pictures that I took of her crossing the finish line with the time and stuff above it. But her name is um, Christy or Kirsty Louise. Her name is S Y K O on the boards. Oh, congratulations to her! Definitely, I love yeah, the fact that she's a dizzer. Yeah, and I said, you know, they had Mickey and Minnie at the start finish line, and Goofy was there in his little Goofy outfit, like a jester. <laughs> um, and then for the um, the regular marathon, Gina Allgard Kelly from Lisbon, North Dakota, won with a time of 1.23 hours and 58 seconds. And really, if you think about that. That's crazy. Know. It was pretty fast, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and there was three women at towards the end that were all, like, passing each other and stuff. And the, the second runner-up um, came into the finish line 23 seconds past her, and her name was Heather Schultz. So it was just interesting, and, and this is another one of those times that Disney knows how to throw a party. I mean, they you know really made everybody, at least from what I could see, feel welcome and really tried to involve. Because, I mean, I've seen other races like back when I lived in Pennsylvania that you had spectators, but you didn't have like a lot of other stuff, and Disney tries to make it special for how all about, of them. How about the end of the race um, where they're the – last ones to finish the line was it all torn down by the time they got there or they're still running or, no they, no because that would be me at the end you know dragging in no no they always keep everything up for the last person okay. and i said so i i didn't stay for the last one to come through this time but i've been there in like years past where they'll go like okay you've got like another 10 seconds to get here because like apparently there's a time limit to where you get like the metal this is like uh, for the you have regular to finish it within yeah. a certain amount of time. And to right. watch like people then like hold on to other people and practically drag themselves across. I mean, this is a big deal yeah. to these people. But I said it was It's a big deal, period. I yeah. Mean, but I mean they had DJs playing all over the place and I says with the characters out. And when the winners from the, the regular division came across, they had the ladies from um, the Bibby Bobby the Fairy Godmothers hand the winners like a rose. Which again, I thought was you know pretty clever. And of course, as they came across the line, they got the con- first person got the confetti, and they had a little banner. So they really you know they did it up nice. But it, I always come away feeling so inspired, like hey, you know, maybe one day. Yeah. yeah. So I'm you know I made it my goal. I know I said this last year, but I'm trying to do that one in the fall, the food and wine one. I'm going to try to do the 5K for that. So you gonna yeah, walk it or run it? Um, I started. Working up towards running, so we'll see. Cool. We know someone who was in the Princess Marathon this this, this past one, and uh, we also have two friends who are training for the January 
marathon mm. that they have every year. So I think I might would go out and see them. It's Katie and Billy, <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> there was a couple they had up on stage that the husband, they took their last vacation. The husband was going over to Iraq like next week, and he wanted to do this. He ran because there was something she, some reason why she couldn't. So he gave up his time to come run for her Aww. in the race. So. Isn't that nice? Mm-hmm. So cool. it was fun. So I took one for the team. I was there early. Well, we always that's appreciate no change that, for you though. Yeah, really. <laughs> no, I get up that. Uh, you know, I don't know. No, that you I'm, did get up earlier because I saw on Facebook you were like up at three a.m. Oh, this is three geez, something. I was yeah, going to sleep early, about yeah. that time. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, all right. Well, thank you very much You're for welcome. that report, Kathy. Our final segment this week, um, I'm very excited about. I have not listened to it. Um, is uh, our special, our senior correspondent, this is Unplugged senior correspondent, Dave Parfit, had the opportunity to interview a Disney legend, uh, Richard Sherman. Now, if you don't know who Richard Sherman is, he is one half of the Sherman brothers who have written music for uh, everything from Small World and Tiki Room. Carousel of Progress. Carousel of Progress uh, and to famous Disney films like Mary Poppins, Mm -hmm. The Jungle Book, uh, true uh, Disney legends. And also the timing of this was great because it wasn't planned, but Richard Sherman just got his window on Main Street in Disneyland. So here is Dave Parfit's interview with Disney legend Richard Sherman. Greetings, everyone. This is David Parfit, senior correspondent for the Diz Unplugged. And today it is my pleasure to speak with Mr. Richard Sherman, one half of the songwriting team who created much of the music we associate with the Disney parks, including It's a Small World, There's a Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow, The Tiki 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 Room, One Little Spark, and Winnie the Pooh, just to name a few. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to talk with us, Richard. Well, I'm happy to be here, David, and ask away. I'd love to answer any of the questions you've got. Great. Richard Sherman and his brother Robert not only co-wrote theme park music, but the Sherman brothers are probably best known for their unforgettable songs in the 1964 Disney film Mary Poppins, including Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Very well, well said. Thank you very much. People sometimes they stumble over that one. I had to practice that one. <laughs> Feed the birds and a spoonful of sugar. They would go on to win two Academy Awards for their work on Mary Poppins, one for Best Song, Chim Chim Tree, and one for Music Score. Richard, could you tell us a little bit about how you and Robert came to start composing for Disney? Well, certainly, uh, Bob and I were writing pop songs, and actually what happened was one of our little songs uh, was sung by a young lady by the name of Annette Funicello. Oh, sure. And Annette, of course, was uh, a young lady that Walt had discovered in, in, in a little school uh, production and put her into the Mouseketeers. And she was the mo- became the most popular Mouseketeer. And so toward the end of their the three years that they were doing the Mouse Club, they decided to put Annette on records. And they were looking for a... a a pop tune she could do, and we were, we had written a little song called Paul Paul, He's My All. <laughs> and they thought that would be perfect for Annette, and it became a big top ten hit. And the record people at the Disney company said, do you fellas have any more songs for Annette? And said, of course we do, and we wrote and wrote for Annette. And we had a string of big successes with her. And we didn't know it, but Walt Disney was listening to all those songs, and one day he was going to put her into a film called The Horse Masters, and he wanted a song for her to sing. She said, why don't you get those two young brothers there? Notice I said young. It was a long time ago. <laughs> she said, those brothers who were writing the songs for Annette to come in and take a shot. 
Well, to make a long story short, he really liked our stuff, and then one day he gave us his book. He just said, read this book and tell me what you think. And the rest of it is history. The book was Mary Poppins. <laughs> we thought a lot about it, and uh, that became our our biggest, biggest success, of course. It was uh, a tremendous hit. We worked for four years before it actually was released, and so we were, we were on staff at the studio we were for a long time. So then not only were you involved in the score and coming up with the music, it sounds like Walt Disney really involved you in coming up with the story and the plot and involving you in the creative process for developing Mary Poppins as well. Well, actually, yes, because Poppins, he realized he had a problem. There was no storyline whatsoever in Mary Poppins. Nothing really happened except that Mary Poppins flew in on the east wind and took the children on great adventures and then flew out on the west wind. And there was no reason whatsoever. And so when Bob and I first read that book, we said, we've got to come up with something because these stories are juicy and beautiful and characters are great, but nothing really happens. So we said, let's have a, a family that's kind of a little bit disjointed, a little bit dysfunctional. And the father's so busy making money at the bank, and the mother's so busy with her occupations and what she's doing, that the children need their attention. They need their love more than just being provided for and giving them a home. And so Mary Poppins comes in and teaches a lesson, and that was what we tried to do. And she comes in and gives life lessons, really, to the father and the mother, and teaches them that a spoonful of sugar does help the medicine go down, meaning a happy attitude does make it in a tough job easier, and it feeds the birds up in the bag. has nothing to do with the cost of breadcrumbs. It has a lot to do with it doesn't take much to give love. And the father learns that lesson and takes the kids out and flies a kite with them. See, these are the things that we injected into the story. We did not write the script. Bill Walsh and Don DeGrati, two brilliant, brilliant guys, wrote the script. But Bob and I had a lot to do with shaping the story along with Walt Disney. So basically, the story concept was inspired by the, the characters of Mrs. Travers, who wrote the books. But it was all Bill Walsh, Don DeGrati, Walt Disney, and Bob and Dick Sherman. We all contributed to making the story happen. Could you talk a little bit about your experience working with the stars of Mary Poppins? Total joy, really. Julie Andrews came about in such a way. We were looking for the right person, the right personality to play the Mary Poppins role. And Walt had on his list many wonderful actresses. I mean, Angela Lansbury, had Betty Davis, Mary Martin was another one that we wanted. But one day, by sheer luck, they call it serendipity, lucky accident, there was a program called the Ed Sullivan Show. And on that show, a young lady by the name of Julie Andrews with Richard Burton sang a song called What Do the Simple Folk Do from Camelot, the That's wonderful right. Camelot show. And right away, we saw right in that personality, that is Mary Poppins. That's exactly what we need. This wonderful, beautiful, English, crisp personality with this incredible voice. And so we all were thrilled to tell Walt, and his secretary said, don't tell Walt. He's going to New York next week. We're going to buy a ticket for him to see Camelot, and he'll make up his own mind. And sure enough, he got the same thrill out of it that we did, and he invited her to come out and see our storyboards and everything. Julie Andrews is just a wonderful, totally professional, wonderful gal and a wonderful performer. And she, she fell in love with the property. So that was it. So then when Walt Disney was going to see Camelot on Broadway, was he going with the mindset of, I want to see Julie Andrews and see if she's right for this part? Or were you just taking Walt Disney to see Camelot and waiting for magic to happen? Oh, that's exactly right. Because you couldn't tell Walt, hey, we've seen the perfect person. That, that, that's what his secretary realized. She also had seen that program and said, no, she's perfect. Let him make up his own mind. Because Walt like, doesn't like to be told. I mean, he was very, <laughs> uh, say, secure within his own thinking. 
But we were all on the same wavelength, and when he saw this incredible, talented girl singing and performing, he knew this was Mary Poppins that we wanted. That's a great story. Could you talk a little bit about working with Dick Van Dyke? Oh, again, Dick Van Dyke, a jewel of a human being. He's a beautiful, warm... What you see on the screen is what you see. He's just this warm, special guy with a multitude of talents. And the dancing he did is incredible. He's never had a dancing lesson in his life. He just learns by watching and seeing and does it. His dancing, his, his performance, the warmth of his character. I mean, he was absolutely great. And we loved him. He was great. He's so funny, you know. He, he wanted to play the old banker, too, Mr. Dawes, in, in the later part of the picture. And so uh, Walt was dubious because he was only a, you know, maybe 35-year-old actor. He was a young man. And so uh, Walt said, I didn't know about that. So Dick made up full costume, you know, and a full makeup. And uh, performed. <laughs> he just ad libbed the old banker with the stumbling around on the, with the feet and the cane and everything. And Walt was, you know, uproarious. It was hilarious. So, yeah, naturally, he did a dual role. And he's just great. He threw himself into this part. And uh, he's a very wonderful guy. We've been good friends forever. Oh, that's fun. 1964, the year Mary Poppins came out, that was a big year for the Disney Company because another event, the 1964 New York World's Fair, was about to happen as well. Oh, of course, and four of the great, great exhibits out there at the World's Fair were the Walt Disney exhibits. That's right. That's right. And you were involved heavily in at least two of those productions. Yeah, two of them. We, we actually did the, uh, the theme song for the Carousel of Progress, which is just a great, big, beautiful tomorrow. And I'll tell you a little story about that. We were given the, the opportunity to see what they were planning to do with this circular building where, where these auditoriums would sweep around uh, and show different eras of the development of electricity. It was General Electric exhibit, and it showed how uh, electricity had changed our lives and improved our lives from, from one era to another. So they needed a song that would sound like it would be ragtime song and then sound like it was jazz time in the 20s and, and swing time in the 30s and 40s and then into a sweet kind of a Montevani sound full violin section like it would be in the 60s. And so all this had to be done within one song. And Walt gave us these instructions. I remember we said, oh, okay, Walt, well, we'll, we'll do what we can to make the song right, you know, for this thing. And uh, we were leaving, and one of Bob or I, I forget which one of us, said, well, Walt has a dream, and that's the start. So there we go with being songwriters. You hear that? Walt has a dream, and that's the start. Hmm. Oh, we could change that. I can't say Walt. Man has a dream, and that's the start. Yeah. <laughs> right. And that, if you listen closely to that lyric, man has a dream, and that's the start. We follow his dream with, with mind and heart. And it's all based on Walt Disney. He was a great futurist, and it was all inspired by his enthusiasm for what's going to be coming tomorrow. He was always very enthusiastic about that. So Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow was inspired purely by the boss. I have to say, I mean, that's that's my favorite of your theme park songs. I love oh, Great you. Big Beautiful Tomorrow. It has a lot of energy in it, you know, and it's, and it's Walt Disney. He was a futurist. That's what he was. The other production that you were involved in, of course, is It's a Small World. Oh, I've heard of that one, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the song that either people want to kiss us or kill us for. <laughs> Small World is truly a prayer for peace. It really is. And it came about in a very nice way. The Imagineers at Disney had created this incredible ride. And one problem, on paper, the idea of having these various groups of, of children sing national anthems was beautiful. On paper, it sounds great. But 
in practicality, it was a total disaster. <laughs> it was a mess. Because I remember we walked through uh, a mock-up of what this uh, ride was going to be. Without boats, of course, we were just walking through a serpentine trail and listening to these the children, these groups of audio-animatronics children singing. And it was a total mess. It was cacophony. And so at one point, Walt uh, said, okay, kill it. So they stopped the sound completely. And, and Walt said to us, okay, fellas, you're going to write me a song that's going to explain all, <laughs> all of this. It was, we were the troubleshooters. That's see. right. And so uh, we said, write Walt. And it was called UNICEF Salutes the Children of the World. It was a big kind of a banner over the... And we said, are we stuck with that? Is it, is, oh, no, 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 no. Just write about the small children of the world as a hope for the future. And we have to learn how to live together, but don't get preachy. And so <laughs> we said, okay, yeah, all those buttons were being pressed. And so we created a simple little song. Oh, yeah, he also wanted to have it so that it was translatable. He wanted it to have repetitions in it, and he wanted to have it simple. So we had to make a very simple song, and uh, we tried and tried to come up with something, and we said, well, if we want to have people hearing the, the true story, it's let's not kill each other. But we can't say let's not kill each other. <laughs> let's learn to live together. That sounds preachy. Uh, let's respect each other. That's preachy. So let's just say... After all, because that means, after all, wake up, live together, understand each other without saying anything more than that. So if you listen closely to the lyric, it's truly a prayer for peace. Because we say, it's a world of laughter, a world of tears. It's a world of hopes and a world of fears. There's so much that we share that it's time we're aware it's a small world after all. See, that's the first verse, and that says it. That says, let's learn to live together. But we do it brightly and happily. But, you know, one day, I remember, uh, this was several years ago, I was doing a show, and 9-11 happened. I was on a ship, and I was going to perform. I do a medley of songs that Brother Bob and I wrote, and uh, I always finish with Small World. But this time, the world was, like, shaken by this horrible ex thing that took place in New York. And I said to myself, I'm not going to sing this the way I always do, bright and happy. I'm going to sing it the way it was originally written as a prayer. And I sang it slowly and carefully, just though I recited it just now. And it was so moving and so special that from then on in, from whenever, whenever I do a personal appearance or something, I always sing it that way. And uh, it's a very special song to me. It, it, it is a prayer for peace, and God knows we need it more than ever these days. Yeah. No, you can really see it coming through like a hymn when you say it slowly yeah. like that. Oh, yes, it does. With all the different compositions that you did for Walt Disney in the films and in the theme parks, do you think... You know, over 200, can you believe it? Is that right? That were used in, in the productions and in, in the theme parks, yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Do you think Walt Disney had a favorite song of yours? Oh, yes, I know he had a favorite song of ours, and he had us come over to his office many times on a Friday afternoon and play Feed the Birds. Tuppence of Ag from Mary Poppins. He loved that song. Well, he knew it was the, the heartbeat of the whole movie. The way when we first came in with ideas, before we actually were staff writers and, and he gave us the book, he heard that song. And he said, of all the things we talked about, how we wanted to play, how we wanted to use the stories of Mary Poppins to tell a story, he said, play me that bird lady thing again. And then at one point, when at near the end of this big meeting that we had had, he said, that's what the whole story is, right? And we said, that's right, Walt. And, and of course, we had just learned how to say Walt instead of Mr. Disney, because <laughs> he didn't like to be Mr. Disney. He liked to be Walt, to be called Walt. So we said, yeah, that's right, Walt. And he said, how do you fellas like to work for me? And we said, we'd love to work for you. 
And he said, well, let's just say that you're now under contract. And he had a contract for us. And that was the beginning of our really incredible jump into the world of production and with Walt Disney. There you go. You certainly continue to stay incredibly busy. In 2008, you and your brother received the National Medal of Arts from the U.S. government. Oh, that was a wonderful, yeah, that's terrific. They did that. You currently have two stage musicals running, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang at the London Palladium and Mary Poppins, right. both on Broadway and on tour. Right. You had an original, Very exciting. You had an original comic musical, Pizzazz, which was showcased at the El Capitan Theater just this past weekend, February 26th and 27th. We had a new show I did with Milt Larson, right? Uh, biography film, The Boys, The Sherman Brothers Story, which premiered in spring of 2009. That was actually produced and directed by my son, Greg Sherman, and his cousin, uh, Jeff Sherman, who was Bob's son. So the two cousins produced the two brothers. And it's you... going to be out on DVD this summer. Oh, it's good to know. And yes. a tribute CD, Poppin' Guitars, a tune full of Sherman, was also released in the summer of 2009. Oh, yeah, wonderful, wonderful uh, experience to listen to that. That's a great thing. So you may be as busy now as you were back in 1964 when you were working side-by-side side with Walt Disney. Oh, yeah, it's, it's a very lovely thing, and I, I love doing it. I don't think of it as work. It's, the, it's what I was born to do. I love writing songs. I love being part of the production of it and writing whatever it might be that has something to do with music and making people feel good. I like to write happy, positive things. That's another thing. You see, I inherited from Walt Disney. I'm a very positive individual, and that's the way I like to write. But it really comes through in your music as well. well. Thank you so much. It's nice of you. Thank you so much for taking some time to catch us up with some of your work. Well, I'm happy to be doing it. And to all my friends that in Disneyland, wherever they may be, that means all over the world, I send my good wishes to all of you. Thank you again, Richard, for taking the time to speak with us. Well, it's been a great joy talking with you, too. Thank you. With Disney legend Richard Sherman, this has been David Parfit, senior correspondent for the Diz Unplugged. Thanks for listening. Okay, I have goosebumps. Yeah, I absolutely yeah. have I goosebumps. Have <laughs> that was really yeah, good. I was getting a little, little uh, misty there when he was talking about uh, Small World. It's uh, uh, as I said, you know, I, I, I don't, uh, I try not to listen to this stuff before. Um, I want to hear it with everybody else uh, on the show. David, honestly, incredible interview. Mr. Sherman, thank you so much. What an incredible, he is so bubbly and full of yeah. personality and, and, and just genuinely nice. And still working. Yeah. And still mm-hmm. working. And it sounds like he's, Dave's right, he's as busy as he ever was. <laughs> well, uh, Dave uh, also, you know, like you said, Dave recorded that interview before we found out that uh, Richard Sherman was getting his uh, his his window on, uh, on Main Street in Disneyland. So uh, Dave got in touch with him again and asked him for a quote. And uh, this is what he plans to say when the... Uh, when the window was unveiled, he gave us a, a scoop on this, as he put it. And uh, his quote is, A man has dreams of walking with giants to carve his niche in the edifice of time. Having this window on Main Street in Disneyland, I know Bob and I feel we're walking with giants. Wow. <laughs> and, of course, that first sentence is a song from, from Mary Poppins. And uh, I think I can't think of a better way to uh, end this week's show, I want to say, Thanks to Dave Parfit and Richard Sherman uh, for that uh, for that interview. Thanks everybody for uh, for your input. Uh, we are uh, next in next week's show. We'll be joined by Dis senior uh, senior editor uh, Leah Zanola. 
who's going to be telling us about the in-room babysitting service she used while she was in Disney World recently. And I'm going to be having my hotel review of the Caribbean Beach Resort. We are beginning our hotel review series again. Uh, so well, that'll be next Tuesday on the next episode of the Diz Unplugged. So thanks, everybody, for listening. We appreciate it. And we will be back with you again next week with another episode of the Diz Unplugged. Have a great week. And remember, stay out of the damn lakes. And the damn flower beds. And the- <laughs> <laughs> you were waiting for that one. <laughs>